welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. Today's guest was a structural engineer in Canada who couldn't maintain her zest for life in designing toilet blocks and roads. She left engineering in in search for her zest. She did many things. She toured organic farms around the world for nine months, worked in multiple restaurants, babysat an avocado farm of 800 trees, spent a couple of years as, as the horticulturalist slash farmer to establish the world's first organic farm share. She ran a vegetable market stall and designed and started her own business in food manufacturing snack clusters. Yet she hadn't quite found it, the thing that would make the world a better place in just the way that only she could. So let me introduce you to Ashley Jubinville to tell you the rest of her story. Let me assure you she's been busy, she's been making a difference and she's got lots more still to give. Welcome Ashley. Hello, thank you for having me Helen and Wendy, this is wonderful. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on to the Gutsy Matters podcast. Well, thank you for having such a cool podcast to be on. <laughs> so with all of the things that you've been doing or mm-hmm. have done for some part of your life, would you like yes. to tell us the next part of the story <laughs> and uh, what happened that led you into what you do now? Yes, for sure. So. Gosh, you're right. It's it's a continuation of the next chapter because I, I'm constantly seeing new opportunities and ways to kind of uh, improve. And, and I guess that's the nature of loving learning and, and loving exploring all things related to health and uh, sustainability and living better with our footprints on the planet. And it's just this beautiful journey, isn't it, to be on? Like once you get down this rabbit hole, it just you find there's more and there's more and there's more and it keeps things exciting. So the next step pretty much from from yeah kind of spending quite a few years doing multiple things I guess in in one way all related to health and food and definitely the sustainability side of things Uh, I ended up working as a private chef for a family for a couple of years and I kind of joke around that I kind of had my my insta family as in I instantly had four kids that I was taking under my wing I was working for them about 12 hours a day with a couple hours off in the middle and literally doing all of the food needs for the family, of which pretty much everyone had different needs at the time. Uh, And there was a little bit of, obviously, when you're spending that much time with a family and dealing with food, which is so inherently part of who we are, uh, I was in, in one way kind of a second parent to these, or a third parent, I guess you could say, to these kids. And uh, really took them under my wing in that sense. So there was a little bit of nannying in some ways, but definitely from a food education perspective and a, and a general education perspective. So I did that for a few years. And in that time, basically completely had my eyes opened to the struggles that families are going through. And it wasn't only for this family. It was for family friends of theirs that I would get to know through them. Uh, and and just I, I was almost 
blown away at how difficult the whole food aspect of things was for families. And and I just, I guess I was extremely intrigued by it. And then my engineering brain kind of kicked in and went, there's got to be a better way that we can problem solve this. There's got to be a way that we can help these families get more organized and do things a lot easier. And so I guess it came from a natural desire to help this particular family that I'd completely fallen in love with. And, you know, my kids were, I say my kids, but they were uh, from three months old when I got there to eight years old at the time. And um, it's quite a range of ages. And yeah, it's so, so basically the, the things that I evolved for them and, and systems that I put in place for the kids to be able to eat better and make better food choices and enjoy healthier food and, you know, for them to make better choices on the weekends and things like that. I, I didn't necessarily realize at the time that I was doing anything with Bang Wow. I was just doing what I knew and doing my best to, to kind of improve the situation for them. But apparently it, it, you know, it was noticed by not only them, but by their friends. And the next thing I know, I was asked to do the similar thing for the friends of their families. And sooner or later, it kind of became something that I had to formula, formalize and, uh, and and help others do the same. So that's when the Kitchen Coach was created. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing now with all of my heart for the last uh, at least five years now. Uh, and and it's just grown and expanded from there, basically. So, yes, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to describe in one sense, but essentially what the Kitchen Coach is all about is first and foremost food education. Uh, particularly aimed at families with the young kids because that's a much easier time frame to help work with them and, and help develop good habits for life. Uh, and then it's the practical side of it, really. It's the practical side of not only what we eat, but how we actually go about making that possible in a busy schedule or a tight budget or with really picky eaters, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And I just like to tell listeners um, who haven't met you before, uh, you know, that'll be most of the listeners, that you're a vibrantly healthy person, you know, take one look at Ashley and you know that she takes great care of herself and she just looks radiantly, vibrantly healthy. Oh, thank you, Helen. (laughs) Um, So I'm sure that those, you made a huge impact in that family. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, I'd say it's not only me, right? It's the food, but it's, it's also their, it was their willingness to try something different. And I really respect that in the parents who helped me, helped me continue the conversations that I was starting to nurture with the kids. They would continue that with them at home. And, and it, it created that consistency, which was really wonderful. And therefore, I think we could see those big changes within the family for sure. So now with Kitchen Coach, well-established, what are some of the things that are most commonly going wrong in kitchens? You know, have you found a, a consistency? Um, are there things that our listeners are probably doing wrong? We might be doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the first thing to say is that it's not necessarily that it's doing anything wrong. Uh, as in, I'm fully well aware that everyone is doing the absolute best that they can with what they've got. And it's, Probably the the most important thing that I see that I'd like to bring up in, in families, and particularly in mothers, that's mostly who I work with, is that there's a lot of guilt, and there's a lot of mum guilt, and there's a lot of feelings that you're not doing enough, or you're not giving enough, or you're not giving your children the best future that they possibly can because you're stressed out and you've got so much on your mind, and life is you know throwing you challenges left, right, and center. So the first thing is to just get rid of the guilt. 
um, you know, if I were to say anything's going wrong per se, it's the fact that, you know, you're beating up on yourselves for not being better or doing more. So yes, I also know that it comes from a really good place of wanting the best for your family. And that's probably the best thing is just wanting that and then seeking that out. In terms of other things that, you know, I see very commonly, first of all, it is that most people are doing things the hard way. And again, by no fault of their own, it's simply because our entire way of living, at least in, you know, what we'd call Western civilization, Western cultures, we're generally not taught how to do food in a way that will literally nurture health for the rest of our life, right? And health is just one aspect. Even if we didn't look at the healthy side of things, we're not even taught basic food skills just to get by on a busy schedule, right? We're not even taught how to, how to prepare food in a way that's practical without feeling like we need to resort to convenience foods or takeaway or, you know, these so-called other solutions, which are in some ways very, very misleading <laughs> to make us think that they're the more convenient option uh, in, the, in the long run, that's for sure. So, yeah, so first of all, I think it's getting rid of the, the guilt. Secondly, it would be um, to realize that there is a much easier way of doing things. And the, the easiest way to go about finding that out is, is realizing that there's just simply certain skills and certain knowledge that most people have never been shown. So therefore, inevitably, we go about doing the best that we can. And we, you know, some people learn how to cook just by reading the back of labels on packages as they grow up because they were never given skills at an early age while they were still at home. And, and then we end up doing things the hard way, right? So that's, that's one aspect. Um, in terms of other little, I guess, little more specific things, it's, there's a lot of brainwashing that's happening with the food marketing. And so we're taught to believe that a lot of these packaged foods are convenient. And really what they're doing is a lot of them are so full of additives and preservatives and numbers and colors and things that we're told are not that bad for us, or we're told that they're you're absolutely fine. They're not toxic. But the reality is, is there's, there's a lot more to that story than most people think. And it's not as convenient at all. Like personally, I don't know, but, what you think, but getting, I mean, eating something now that's going to make you sick either within a couple of weeks or within a couple of years, really, that's not, that's not convenient by any definition of the word, is it? And no, not and at all. People, and we think that if we can buy it from the supermarket, it must be safe, but that's not exactly. necessarily true either. Absolutely not. And that was a big eye opener for me. And, and also then for my, these families that I was working for is, that we want to be able to trust the people that are putting these products on the shelves. We want to be able to trust the the shop itself. And unfortunately, I mean, now that I've seen both sides of this story, I've been on the, the food manufacturing side, I can definitely see that their motivations, first and foremost, are looking after the well-being of their business, because if, if they don't have a business, they can't, you know, put food on their own tables. So they're looking after cost and margin, price margins, and, and therefore then, you know, the store, pre the store puts pressure on them to extend their shelf life, so they put more additives in the product, and next thing you know, we end up with this completely different beast of a thing, which the body doesn't recognize anymore, essentially, as the food that we think it should. That's all not convenient in a health sense, but it's also not convenient in a cost sense, because in most cases, you're getting empty calories from a lot of these poorer food choices, so therefore, you're eating more and more and more of them right? Which is then draining your, your budget in ways that you can't see because you think you bought the cheaper item, but you're buying a ton of more of them, right? 
And then from a time perspective, yes, fair enough, it might be faster to grab a packet, rip open a packet, shove it in your mouth and keep running. <laughs> but the reality is, is, I mean, think just for one second about any, any ramifications beyond that, like not to mention the effect of all that garbage that goes in the bin, but also, is it really that convenient? Like the, the price that you're going to pay in the end, whether it's your health, whether it's the environment, whether it's, you know, just the rush, rush, rush and the digestive issues and, and all the things that, that flow on from that, it's really not convenient. So that's probably one of the first things to, to help kind of shift our thinking that what we are told is convenience food is not something that we as consumers have called convenience food. It's what the, the producers, it's what the food manufacturers have wanted us to believe is convenience food. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the Kitchen Coach works? So what do you actually do with families? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? Yes, good question. So it's mostly all online now because the one thing I was realizing is that I could really only help a handful of people if I was physically in everyone's kitchen. <laughs> so it's mostly done through uh, videos and online tro- programs and trainings. And there's been a lot of really good benefits that come from that, namely that anyone can access it from wherever they are at whatever time of day works for them. And in most cases, then, you know, I understand that most of these mums are extremely busy and and things are hectic. So if they need to hit pause and tend to something, then they can do that versus having to show up, you know, for a particular intensive training weekend. It's quite overwhelming and there's a lot to take in. So the way we do it now, it's much easier, much more bite-sized. You can do it at your own pace. And, and then you can deep dive as deep as you want to go or skim over certain other things as you wish. Can I go back a question? Back yeah. to the um, commonly common ways we could improve in kitchens across Australia. Is one of the things that you find the way we use leftovers, is that a common uh, yes. challenge? Yes, and food waste, definitely. Mm. And also... Uh, the fact that most people aren't um, necessarily thinking about making, for example, more than just one meal every time they go into the kitchen. Mm. So one of the biggest time-saving tricks that usually turns turns around for people really quickly is the idea of, of three-for-one. So think, think to yourself, everyone loves a three-for-one deal, right? Mm-hmm. So every time you go into the kitchen and you, for example, dirty a cutting board, get a knife out, get some ingredients out, whatever, make some dishes, Think of that as your one effort. That's your one kitchen effort. And also that's going to include doing the dishes at the end. So in that one effort, try to get three meals out of it or three part meals at least for that one effort. So for example, if you go in and make dinner, not only are you making, for example, just a double batch. um, So you have a meal for now and you have a meal for tomorrow or you have a meal to put in the freezer. Like no matter what, minimum, absolutely minimum, no matter what, you're making a double batch of something pretty much is the easiest way to start that. And then the third meal or the third part meal, just have a think about what you already have out. So for example, if dinner is, uh, you're making some homemade pizzas and you're cutting up a bunch of veggies really thin, you might as well at the same time, while you have your mandolin dirty or your food processor dirty or just the knife, you might as well cut up extras, put it in the Tupperware. And even if you don't know what you're gonna do with that tomorrow, it's one less decision you have to make because it's already prepared. So that can turn into sandwich fillings, that can turn into wrap fillings, that can turn into a quick little fry up in the frying pan, that can turn into an omelette, it can turn into a soup, like you can just do anything with it if it's already there and cut up. And for some people, like, you know, after you've made your double batch of dinner, you might be in a hurry, so you sit down and eat dinner, 
before you go back in and do the dishes, quickly whip up a batch of muffins. And better yet, whip up a double batch of muffins because they freeze well, right? So these little tiny efforts, they take a little bit of new getting used to and new habit training. But once you're set up for that, it's no different and no harder than what you're currently doing now. It's just maybe new to you, so it feels different or it feels harder. But this is exactly the sweet spot and the magic point for, for when families get the aha moment is when they start realizing that if they just simply persist at these little consistent baby steps for long enough, their new habits, their new way of doing things will be just as easy as what they're doing now, but they'll be getting three times at least as good of a result in terms of health, in terms of energy output, in terms of cost savings, in terms of time savings, in terms of reduced stress, like I could go on and on and on. So Wendy and I in the podcast room here, you got to the after dinner, whip up a batch of muffins and we're both looked at each other and shook our head and started silently laughing because we didn't want to interrupt you. However, in support of what you have just said, I have recently found a slice recipe that I really loved and I made a few little adjustments to make it even more me. And I have found that I have been making it after dinner so that I have a snack available to me for the rest of the week. So as much as we were laughing and shaking our heads, (laughs) I simultaneously realized that, oh, I've been doing that. There you go. And another little um, thing that I found, I had to use a food processor to um, prepare the nuts for the slice in just the right way. So then I... To save time, I process twice the volume and put some in yes. the jar for next time. I oh, make. my gosh, you're on it. You are so on it. This is exactly, exactly the type of thinking I'm talking about, okay? And this is not harder. I really want to emphasize it is not harder. It is just at one point you had the aha moment to go, hey, I've already dirtied the food processor. I might as well chuck in twice as many nuts, chuck it in the, in the pantry, and all of a sudden that's already done for next time. So it's little thinking like that, that all we're doing is we're just tweaking and shifting the thinking one step at a time until one day you wake up and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe where I was even just, you know, three months ago. Like, I cannot believe how far we've come. And that's my main goal with people is that they almost don't realize these changes happening. Like, it doesn't feel stressful. It's just one step at a time. It's baby steps. And ideally, it's baby steps because then the family doesn't even necessarily need to notice. They don't even need to know what's being changed on them, especially if you do it well and and kind of in the right order, which is what we go through. Um, Then in most cases, it's just such a simple and natural uh, transition that you'll wake up one day and go, wow, I actually like it didn't feel like we've actually done anything that stressful. But look at how far we've come. (laughs) So you're spot on, Helen. That's exactly the thinking. You know, and I always thought I did it because I was lazy, but now I'm sort of wondering, oh, I'm, I'm a kitchen coach genius. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll send you a badge. I'll send you a badge. <laughs> and I guess it's all yeah. about changing habits, isn't it? Yeah, that, that what you used to do and just tweaking a few things like you've said that while it might sound, oh, my goodness, just whip up a batch of muffins after dinner, but it's creating that habit and if you've got all the ingredients there, why not? So, yeah. And and like Helen said, it might be the exact same slice or the exact same batch of muffins that you do maybe three or four weeks in a row until it becomes fairly second nature, or at least it doesn't feel overwhelming or, or new to you anymore. 
and, and then in that case, it, it can become one of your, your core staples because everyone has their core staple meals that they, that they default back to. And the idea is, is we just want to expand that like we expand the vocabulary of comfort. Like you're comfortable with these recipes. You can pretty much start to pull them together without stressing too much about it. You might still have to re reference the recipe, but that's fine. And you just, you can pull it together quite quickly. And, and that's really all it is, is starting to expand your repertoire of healthy options that the family likes. And then we, we lock and load. <laughs> and as you say, if you make a double batch or a triple batch or whatever it might be, and, you know, one in the freezer, it's, it's, it's actually you saving yourself time by doing oh, it all at once. Of time. So, yeah, tons it's really making a difference. Yes. And look, and then the next hurdle that most people, most people kind of come to after they start getting their head around that is they go, oh, well, it was, you know, it was too stressful making a double batch because my bowls are too small right? Or, or I don't have the equipment for this. And this is usually, um, most people actually don't realize that that's a stressor for them. They just realize that this feels stressful, therefore I don't want to do this again. But once you realize that it's as simple as getting a bigger bowl or getting, you know, pot. a bigger pot, then it's, it's done. You, like you do it once, then you're considered organized to make bigger batches and then everything flows. So again, it's just one little baby step, but unless someone is kind of like what I've found is most people, when they hear about this stuff, they go, oh, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I see that? And it's just a matter of having someone kind of from the outside looking in that can help you with that perspective. And it's the same as anything in life, right? It's beneficial to have somebody with an outside perspective looking in and who's been there, done that and seen it in a bunch of people. And I think that's why it ended up being, for example, kitchen coaching as opposed to kitchen consulting or anything like that is because I actually want to be like the sports coach that helped us as kids in sports. Like I remember lots of coaches I had and it was so awesome. I mean, sometimes it sucked because he told me something that I <laughs> didn't want to hear, but, but it was so awesome to have somebody that had the expertise from the outside looking in who's able to go, oh, cool, we'll just shift this and everything changes and boom, like done right? So much mm. more efficient. So just to change tack a little bit, in a previous yes. podcast, we had a guest, a Dr. Daniil Carter, who talked about nutrition and fruit and vegetables, etc. And she actually told us that 99% of Australian children aged between 2 and 18 do not eat enough vegetables. So is this Correct. something that you're seeing in the coaching that you're doing as well? Definitely. And it's, it's a shocking statistic if a person actually lets themselves think about what that means. Mm. Um, and yes, that statistic was published by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. And it's, it is true. Like, it's exactly what I see. Uh, granted, most of the people that eventually, you know, come and work with me are the ones that want to improve. So generally speaking, they are already ahead of that curve, as in they're already doing every effort that they can to help their kids get more veggies into them. But even still, we're talking, most kids have no more regular vegetable repertoire than about five or six different vegetables uh, in their lives. So that's one thing I often do with, with the, uh, the school groups that I go and talk to is I get them to count on their fingers how many vegetables they'd have in a regular week, different ones. And most of them can finish on two hands, so or less, and that's that, that's shocking. So, 
Um, yes, definitely helping vegetables become more of a mainstay in the kids' diet will go so far towards ensuring better health in the future. Like I cannot possibly emphasize that enough. And, and I think a lot of, again, this just comes back to a lack of knowledge and a lack of skill in knowing how to make those vegetables taste just as good as the other foods. But also understanding what those other foods are doing to the palate and then doing to the brain to make it so that the kids crave those foods over the healthy foods instead is, is the first, first problem to address, right? Because it's almost like by continuing to have these foods that are full of these um, additives that kind of take over the brain messages and the tongue messages, by continuing to have them, we're making it even harder for the tongue to appreciate and like vegetables. So it's kind of working against us as parents when you give the kid something because you just want them to eat something and you know that little Johnny will have these chicken nuggets so that you give him the chicken nuggets. But the additives and the, and the, you know, the artificial things and all the processing stuff that they do to these, obviously I'm talking processed chicken nuggets, not homemade ones, um, that's going to make it ever harder for his tongue and his brain to appreciate and like the vegetables, hence why we're seeing such a dramatic increase in picky eaters. So kind of a two-part strategy. One is, first of all, we need to reduce as much as possible, if not remove, these um, these artificials, these additives, these processed foods, these quick, convenient grabs from the diet. And I know that might sound overwhelming, but it's actually a lot easier than people think. Okay. So by removing those, not only are you going to help the health of your family or yourself, but you're also going to help them become naturally less picky in their eating choices as it is. So your stress levels then reduce and everything starts to improve. And then, so that's, that's kind of step one is to remove those additive filled processed foods. Step two is then to understand how we're going to make vegetables the feature of the dish and, and, and create more variety in the diet that everyone loves. So we're definitely not saying they need to just suck it up and eat their broccoli. We actually want them to love the taste of their broccoli and come back for more, right? So it's a definitely a two-part approach. One is knowledge-based and one is skills-based. Oh, I would never have realized that if we don't take the processed foods out it's very hard to adopt in the natural foods yes I mean now that you say it it's obvious but yeah yeah and once you learn how these these additives and these so-called food chemicals uh once how when you learn how they take over the brain and how they affect the neurological pathways in the body and the messages between our tongue and our brain that, like there's there's many food chemicals that you'll find in pretty much all of the inner aisles of the supermarket. Well, you know, maybe I'd say 80% of the products uh, in the inner aisles of the supermarket have a form of chemical that's known as a neurotoxin to the brain. It's an excitotoxin. Mm-hmm. And essentially, this range of chemicals is in the 600 range. So any number that's labeled with the number 600 is in that range of excitotoxin category. But also there's a whole bunch of other ones that don't get labeled with the 600 numbers. So you kind of got to look out for them. But point being is that they, as an excitotoxin to the brain, what that means is it essentially uh, overstimulates the brain cells to the point where they explode prematurely, like they, they, they die prematurely, these brain cells. And that's not good. I mean, we now know that there's links to Alzheimer's, dementia, all kinds of things. But more importantly, from an immediate reaction in the body, this 
excitotoxin makes your brain crave more of it, makes your tongue, makes your body, you crave more of this food. So when you open up a bag of chips, for example, and you'd planned on only having half the bag, if it's got these other forms of excitotoxins in them, you'll probably end up finishing the bag because your, your, your physiological response in the body says eat more, eat more, eat more. It turns off your satiety signal in the body. Uh, and it's also yeah wreaking havoc from a, a brain damage perspective by overstimulating the brain cells. That was me and Pringles years and years Ooh. ago. <laughs> Once you pop, you just can't stop. <laughs> Good advertising. Does that work oh, with chocolate it? too? <laughs> yeah. Some kind. Thankfully, most chocolate you can get away without having excitotoxins in it, so you should be okay. Yeah, but it's a whole new world out there that most people are not aware of that's like – so, so the analogy that I give is, you know, you wouldn't operate a vehicle without understanding the rules of the road, because no matter what, you'd end up in, a, in an accident, right? If you didn't know what a stop sign meant, or you didn't know what a give way sign meant, you're going to end up in an accident. It's only a matter of time. Yet, we happily and daily, three times a day, put things in our mouth without knowing what's in that food or what the rules of that so-called game is, as in, in the eyes of our body. And we're expecting just to be all good. We're expecting that that's not going to cause any issues. We're expecting that ignorance is bliss. And, oh, if it's on the shelf, it's good for me. You know, and, and, and it's just not the case. And we are absolutely, you know, it, it still blows me away that there's some people out there that don't realize that what we eat affects our health. Right? Like, that just blows my mind that that is still not a known, well-accepted fact by everyone in this world. You know, the fact that a doctor will... Sometimes, like, for example, if you get a, a bad diagnosis from a doctor and they say, oh, doctor, what should I change? Most of the time they'll say, oh, no, don't worry about your diet. That's okay. You're doing fine there. Just work on maybe getting some more exercise, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we have to stop this. We have to stop this attitude. Absolutely 100% hands down what you eat affects you. It is the fuel in our body. It is the only source where our body can get energy or get problems. <laughs> really. <laughs> so it's. We, we just have to shift that thinking, first of all, and value ourselves enough as, as this vehicle that we're in for this lifetime, value the body enough to care, to understand what we're putting in our mouth every day and how that affects us. Do you think that's changing a little bit with people really looking a little harder at labels on food packaging that they're purchasing? I mean, I've, maybe it's just the people I'm around that I seem to be more people actually wanting to know what's in it. I mean, I think some of that comes from the push for by Australian as well. So people are actually reading packet labels a little bit better than perhaps just going, oh, yes, I know what that is and I'll buy it. Yes, reading labels is, is critically important unless, you want to skip that step altogether and just switch to foods that don't require an ingredient list. True, true. Right? So switching to whole foods, as in, you know, going to more of the bulk food stores and buying and learning how to use and, and fill your pantry full of what I call single ingredient items, such as almonds, whole grain rice, you know, learning how to cook with real foods and real vegetables and real fruits and real nuts and real seeds and real legumes and beans and these kinds of things learning how to cook with them, and then you don't need to worry about reading labels and you don't need to worry about understanding the difference between 302 and 579 and, you know, sodium benzoate and all these other ones. You don't need to get buried in that stress of 
yeah, figuring out which one you're happy to eat and which one you aren't and which product has it and which one doesn't. Like it's, it's a whole quagmire of added stress that we don't need. I guess my point was that people are recognising the fact that there are nasties and, and interesting, if that's the word, things that are in, in packaged food that by read, you know, actually being drawing attention to the fact that they know to read the label rather than just buying it off the shelf and thinking it's good for you. Yeah. So I guess, yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously yes. Whole Foods is the way to go. No, of course, you're right. And, and, and that's a big jump for a lot of people. And that's not yeah. the immediate jump. So you're right. Thank you for clarifying that. That's not what I meant as far as I'm not saying everyone turns around tomorrow and goes Whole Food, but you're right. Absolutely being aware to at least I call it the wrist flick. So as soon as you go and pick up a product off the shelf, you immediately flick it around with your wrist and you look at the ingredient list. Um, and it just has to be this automatic reaction because on a shelf, they always put the front facing label out first. You've probably noticed that. And in order to see the ingredients, you have to flick it around. So yeah, practice the regular wrist flick of looking at the ingredient list. And you're absolutely right, Wendy. That is, that is the first step. Which leads us, though, this, this conversation leads us, though, into an area that we're passionate about, about, you know, eating more leafy greens and more fruits and vegetables and keeping them well away from plastic or anything else that's toxic. And that's how we ended up creating our fresh produce enhancer. But what we found is when we stored our fresh produce naturally in our hemp bags, it tasted better. It just tasted sweeter and it was crisper and crunchier. And so we actually enjoyed eating it more. So have you found that with your clients that if, if the produce is fresher and um, more vibrant that they enjoy it more? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I mean, I've never been a, 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 in agreement with the statement that ignorance is bliss. And, and that, I think, has really led people astray in a big way. I do not think ignorance is bliss at all. Uh, and especially when it comes to food, in that sense, it might be arguable that ignorance is bliss because they don't know what they're missing out on. But if until a person has picked something from the ground or picked something from a tree or tasted what freshness actually is, like, no matter how much of a marketing campaign, for example, the big supermarkets say that we are the fresh people or whatever it is, that's marketing, okay? Until you've tasted actual fresh food, uh, you, you just have no idea how much better it can be. And so you're absolutely right, is that people will love the healthier foods a lot more if it tastes fresh and if it's been picked fresh and if it's not been false ripened, um, et cetera, et cetera. So you're right. First of all, trying to get as close to the source of your food as you possibly can is, is the best thing. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of people seeking out their local farmer's market or yeah. having yeah, we are veggie too. boxes delivered. Yes, exactly. Um, that is the first step because anything in a supermarket, even even a so-called fresh fruit and veggie, has been in transit and been picked ages ago and then it's been stored and then it's been, they've retarded the, ripe, the ripening process with certain chemicals and then when it's time to bring it onto the shelf, they accelerate the ripening and you just do not get the same product in any, in any shape of, of the sense. Um, but you're right, until people have tasted that difference and, and picked a tomato from a vine that's ripe on the vine, not picked green and made to ripen later, they will never go back. Mm. And this is the best way to help picky eaters is to get them to, first of all, actually have a personal experience with where their food comes from 
because if you ask a lot of kids nowadays, it's, it's devastating when you go into a kindergarten, you say, where does this come from? And you show them a carrot, they go, the fridge <laughs> <laughs> or Woolies or the supermarket. Like, no, it comes from the ground. And until they have that experience of picking a carrot from the ground, or like I said, eating a piece of lettuce off of literally picked off of the, the bunch in a garden, um, it, it's transformative for them because then they start to really connect the dots. But I think it's also because it actually tastes better. It's not as bitter and it's, you're right, it's sweeter, it's crispier, it's lighter. It's, it's just yummier to eat. So definitely the better we can store the veggies while we do have them at home, um, the more likely you are to eat more of them and, and enjoy that. Definitely. I cannot speak enough about that as a strategy, especially for picky eaters. We're sort of running out of time and, and we're mindful that, that you're a very busy person, so we don't want to take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm. So well, how okay. would, how do people get involved or take part in the Kitchen Coach? You said that um, it's now mostly online. So do people subscribe or how, how do they get involved? Because I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this podcast that are itching to see some of your videos and things that you do. Yes, awesome. So there's kind of three levels, um, whether you want to dip your toe in or whether you want to do the whole hog and just try and get things sorted once and for all. We've kind of got the three three levels. The first little entry level, um, especially if you're really kind of time poor, would be to start out with a meal plan that is completely set and forget kind of thing, it's, or lock and load is more of what I say. Um, and that's our affordablemealplans.com. So affordablemealplans.com, and these are vegetable-focused meal plans. They still have the flexibility of you adding in whether you're, you know, um, whether you're paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, vegan, plant-based. There's those, all those options fit it. It's probably most suited to a plant-based or vegetarian diet, but then I give options for people to add in meat within that. And the difference with these meal plans and a lot of, you know, I guess, these apps that people are are finding online is that this meal plan has been thought through from start to finish by a real human being, not a, not a robot, not an app, not a computer. So not only have I chosen the meals and how they actually flow together in the week, but I've also built in a nutrition balance into that um, and taking care of a lot of the efficiency gains in that as well so that you don't have to think about it. So we talked about the three for one uh, idea. I've built all of those types of efficiency tricks into these meal plans so that you know exactly how to make the most valuable, most nutritious meals, uh, week of meals for the family with the least amount of time and effort in. And that includes a full detailed shopping list. So you can just like honestly, oh, and all the recipes as well. That's included all full photos, you name it. Um, and then the coolest thing with affordable meal plans is once you test out a few meal plans, you can then just save them as, as a pack, right? Like save this meal plan as a pack. And once you find your favorites in, say, for example, three or four weeks time, you just go back and pull out your favorite meal plan. And you it just, like I said, lock and load as in there's the shopping list, there's the meal plan, there's the recipes, just do it. So that's, that's a really um, lo- like entry level, awesome way to organize things if you're, if you're kind of new to the whole, whole food idea. Um, especially for people that are frustrated with the things like HelloFresh that just have so much packaging, like so much packaging. Um, this is definitely a way to, to do your own version of HelloFresh. And the only extra step you have to do is the grocery shopping. Right. So that's one aspect. And that's as little as $8 a month. So super, you know, accessible, hopefully for everyone, hopefully a no brainer as a, as a starting place. 
Um, level two would be to join in in my inner circle membership group, which is called my chef group, but it's spelled chef with an S and it stands for stress-free, healthy, empowered foodies. And this group is the most amazing group of pretty much all women who are supporting each other on this mission, especially if they feel like they're getting challenged by their family. You know, they want to make these healthy option changes, but the family is giving them a bit of resistance or, you know, people around them just aren't super supportive. So having this group, having the accountability and having all the training and resources that I provide within that, there's webinars, there's my exclusive formulas actually I didn't even discuss my formulas but they're essentially like a thousand recipes in one um, more so to teach you the skill and give you all the options for all allergy needs or all food intolerance needs uh, for what you have on hand and save you trips to the shops uh, and then a whole bunch of access to all of my archive of uh, training videos for specific recipes and there's just I give I give my chefs pretty much everything they they get access to everything and they also get access to the affordable meal plans within the chef membership as well. And that's as little as $39 a month. So it's, that one's hopefully very accessible for people too, to, to keep on track and to keep learning and to keep the journey going because it is it's a journey, right? It's not something we learn overnight. And then the kind of um, level three or what I call the, the big kahuna as in my, my flagship program, which is the, seriously transformative program for families that are ready to really make whole foods work in a practical sense for the whole family. Um, it's especially designed for people that already have um, maybe some niggles or some little symptoms or some things that you, you suspect are maybe not going to lead to anything even better in the future. So you want to get on top of it, whether it's for yourself or we're seeing it a lot in kids and especially with things like eczema and ADHD and allergies and asthma and all these kinds of things we're seeing more and more in kids, that is definitely a really big early wake-up call that we need to get food sorted in a big way. So we work a lot with families that do have intolerances and severe picky eating and, you know, uh, behavioral challenges are often very, um, very able to be brought in under control, if not get the kids off the medications and things just through food alone initially. So so that's if we need a little bit more of a wholesale approach. And I won't go into all the details on that, but essentially that's a 14-week program. And uh, and it includes pretty much every resource you can think of that you might need on that journey to make a healthy, whole food lifestyle, doable, easier, tastier, more practical, and, and something that the family can all get on board with and love, essentially. And that's called my Kitchen Reset Program. And uh, yeah, that's probably the, the easiest three ways to get involved. There's there's obviously other things and plenty more options. There's even just cookbooks. If you just want to start with a cookbook and stuff on my shop or my durable pantry labels, it just might help you get organized initially. But those are some of the best ways to, to get started for sure. Unbelievable. That's incredible oh. resource. <laughs> incredible resource. Um, oh, certainly you. wish that was around back when I did the pantry clean out. Gosh. I'll have to get you some labels. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a, a hashtag that my, my wonderful tribe started. They, they started putting hashtag pantry envy because their pantries were just so beautifully sexy with these gorgeous jars and these sexy labels. They were just like, oh, my gosh. And all their friends would come over. They'd be like, come look at my pantry. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep, I've done that too. 
Yay! <laughs> well, Ashley, it's been so much fun talking to you and so sort of mind-blowing hearing how much change you've created and how much resources you've built to make change easier for everyone. And um, That's my hope. That's making a really big difference, I'm sure. So, thank you. Um, thank you so much for, for being with us on the Gutsy Matters podcast. Thank you for having me. And, and yes, I just, I just do hope that any little piece of that can be helpful for someone because I totally see and experience the overwhelm that these beautiful, well-meaning, amazing mothers are experiencing. And it just doesn't have to be a struggle. It can be such a rewarding, beautiful journey with kids that ask you to have cauliflower for dinner. And it's just, oh, it's just a new world that I'd like them to see is even possible to begin with. And second of all, even have a shred of hope that it's possible for them because it absolutely is. And there's no challenge that's not figure outable, I say. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so thank much. You. And, and all the best with, with the next part of the Kitchen Coach journey. It sounds amazing. Thank you, Wendy and Helen. Thank you so much for having me. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer, a longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge, available at storednaturally.com.